swim to It Sounded Like a Good Idea at the Time, the Sometimes podcast, where I talk to whoever wants to talk to me and is available um, about whatever is going on that we feel like talking about. <laughs> My name is Caroline, and I am joined today by somebody that is a friend of the pod, a friend of me in real life, apparently a better friend of Hannah's since she was at her house this weekend and not mine. Um <laughs> Chris, who is better known probably as the Batchmaker, but is Chris to me. So, hello. Hi. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's it, I feel like I've taken over. I'm Hannah's friend, and now I'm going to wiggle my way into you, your friendship. <laughs> it- <laughs> well, you know that I like to threaten to put up polls of who do we like better, Chris or Hannah. So, maybe I'll do that this week. I mean, the day where you take something that I say and either go buy it or read it or do (laughs) it, that's when I know I'm really your friend. Okay, well, speaking of, good, good, great segue. I feverishly read through The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo this weekend and finished uh, Sunday night, I guess, um, because I knew we were recording and I wanted you to like me again. So I don't, I, I, it had been on hold for weeks and I don't think that you believed me that I was actually going to read it, but it came in. I thought about not reading it, but I did anyway. And it was really, really good. Did you see why we were obsessed with having you read it? Like, I feel like it's right up your alley. Totally, totally. I loved it. And it was interesting. I put it on Instagram that I was going to read it and that you had been bullying me into reading it. Um, and I was so surprised by the response I got because like half of the people were like, it's so good. You have to read it. It's so good. And then the other half of people were like, it's pretty good. And I can't imagine having read that and being really ambivalent about it. You know, like it's not one that leaves me in a space of like, okay, that's fine. I thought it was great. It was wonderful. I mean, I feel like not only the whole like celebrity, but it also you're thinking, oh, my gosh, who like, is this happening right now? Like, I think of couples and people. I'm like, is this a thing? Hannah and I keep trying to guess um, what couples or what people could have been similar to that. I don't know. I, I loved it. I loved it so much. I I read a book. Uh, this was a few years ago now. Um, and I wish I could remember the name of it. I will try to look up the name of it, but it was written by somebody who see me like it came out kind of later. I think this was like a book that flew under the radar, but it was written by somebody who used to work for Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. And it was very much like about an arranged celebrity relationship of like, let's just agree to be together because it's going to profit both of us. And I truly believe that that was like based on their relationship. And I am fascinated by Hollywood relationships. Yeah. That's why I knew you were going to like it. See, I'm a good friend. (laughs) Okay, fine. Okay, you were right. What are you reading right now that I will take another year to read? (laughs) I just started American Dirt. Um, It's an immigration story about, I think it's an immigrant that crosses over from Mexico into the States. But I've only read about three or four pages because Pablo sat down next to me and I was like, so are you not going to do anything for an hour? Can I go for a run? And I just like, <laughs> run. so I opted for a run instead. That's good. <laughs> um, you just, you finished, I saw on Instagram. Did you read the push? 
I read the push. Yes. And I heard you talk about it with somebody. I think it was last time. Last pod. Yeah, right? I was going to. Yeah. Yep. Because I completely just didn't do a podcast two weeks ago because I just couldn't be bothered. But the we, the episode before Mallory co-hosted and um, she talked about the push. And so I would love your take on it because she gave us her feelings about it. Yes. So I read the push at the beach. We took a little weekend trip in May and it was still kind of cold at the beach, still not like super summery. So I brought a couple of books thinking, oh, I'm going to read, you know, and I think I took the wrong book because I'm a super anxious person getting out (laughs) of like the four walls of my Uh house already gives me anxiety. And this book just really messed me up. Like that night that I finished reading it, I remember I was just laying in bed. My phone didn't, I didn't have, we just took one charger. So it didn't have any battery. So I couldn't like be scrolling Instagram or something. And I just went into my kid's room where they were sleeping and I slept, slept next to them. And I, I couldn't sleep. I just laid there for the whole, and it was like, Oh, that's awful. Yeah, I couldn't sleep. It just messed me up. Like truly, it's one of those books that just makes the like it's have you seen that movie Never Ending Story? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm about to show it to my kids. That it has like I remember watching it as a kid and it has like these like heavy themes, I don't know, or from what I can remember, yeah. like just, it's so I don't know. It's so deep for a kid's movie. And I think this book is the same way. Like it, like it like makes your its way into your brain and then just like plants a seed. And you're like, oh my gosh. I don't know. It just, it really messed me up. It's about mental health and about a mom and basically whether we believe the mom or, or not. And at the end you have this big reveal of should mm-hmm. we believe moms? And it just kind of triggered me because it's, I talk a lot about mental health and sometimes people say like, I'm really depressed and it's, it's so easy for us to be like, oh, okay. So, you know, like kind of like brush it off. I don't know. Yeah. It's just triggering. Yeah. There need to be different terms like for mental health, because like even like we started going back to church um, for the first time since the pandemic, like three weeks ago. And mm-hmm. even in sermons, like, um, the pastors will be like, we've had guest preachers for the summer, but it'll be like, you know, I was in a real state of depression or I had a lot of anxiety about this and just needed to let it go. And I'm like, are you, were you just very sad or very worried? Because I don't want to be flippant about like an actual diagnosis. And I feel like we use depressed and anxious to mean the exact same thing as clinical depression and clinical anxiety. And it does a disservice across the board to anybody feeling those things or not. It invalidates it, I think. Yes, absolutely. So it's, no, it's just about a mom who has, it's a generational story. So you can see like her grandmother, her mother, and just kind of like the, um, almost like the biological side of mental health and just how, what genes get passed on. And then obviously she becomes a mom. So she's terrified, which is something that I deal with a lot. And it's become, it through that even after reading that book, I was like, I was thinking this and now I read a book about it. Like, of course it's gonna happen to me. Like it's just it's really eye opening to see like how generations, you know, how her kids were gonna have some of the things that she had and she was just terrified and then you try to be a better mother and then all of that while also dealing with like your friends and your spouse and 
how they interact with you. So it was just kind of, I don't know, it, it was very eye-opening and very relatable. And it terrified me because obviously she goes through a lot of things and it just, it terrified me. That one I think is probably the darkest book I've read. <laughs> At the end of the day, would you recommend it? Like, was no. it good? Okay, good. That's good to know. Yeah, I own it. And people are like, should I read it? And I'm like, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But if you want to read it, I own it. Don't buy it. You know? Yeah. I have. Yeah, that makes total sense. Because um, you aren't on board the Kindle train, correct? No, I like an actual book. Sure, sure, sure. That's what I said, too. <laughs> and now I only read them on my phone. I'm like, what is this book? Um Okay. And then you did really like, I'm just speaking for you. So I hope that's fine. That's just the new way of the podcast. Um, I I did see on you. Yes. That's what I was going to say. I know you just read one that you really loved. Yes. And so I posted that I read Verity and truly it was, it was so many people messaging me like, Oh my gosh, that's the best book. It's amazing. It's so dark. I love it. So to all the people that were saying it's so dark, I love books like this. I was like, okay, then you should read the push. Like, I think you would like it because I feel like the push was very similar in the way Verity was Verity also a mom also going through a lot. And then, um, it's very dramatic though. So this one you see like very like telenovela, like people uh-huh. at the end, when I finished it, they were like, were you surprised? And I'm like, no, I guess I grew up like watching telenovelas and like, this doesn't surprise me. I don't know. I, I did. I wasn't as surprised, but I did enjoy it. I read it in like four hours. Okay. So this might be ignorant, but I have a question for you. In yeah. Honduras, did you watch Univision or was that yeah. only in Mexico? Yes, Univision. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Did you watch the TV show Rosalinda? Yes. Okay. One summer, my brother and I got deeply into Rosalinda and we watched it all day. Like whenever it was on, we watched we watched it. And then there was a cliffhanger wherein she went in Rosalinda went inside a church. She'd mm-hmm. given money to a man outside the church who was the bad guy in disguise, which I don't know how she didn't know. She went in to light a candle and pray and he kidnapped her and locked her in a dungeon. And then we never got it again. We have no idea what happened to her. Oh my but gosh. She... <laughs> but I was like, I need to Google what happened to her because that was a whole summer of my life that I See? will never get back. But it was great. <laughs> That's funny. And I think I grew up watching these shows where it's like somebody gets kidnapped or, you know, you hear like somebody has a coma and then they wake up and then they're your sister and then they're your partner and <laughs> right. you marry your twin. And it's like, so stuff like this when it's, I don't know, that book just didn't like surprise me, but I enjoyed well, it. Well, props to Rosalinda as well, because <laughs> um, <laughs> they also had zero subtitles and only spoke Spanish and we were captivated. <laughs> So the acting was top notch, supposedly, because like there was one scene where Rosalinda was playing uh, the piano and she had (laughs) pictures of both of her lovers on the piano. And I knew exactly what was happening. And I felt like that was great acting. So kudos to the stars of that show. Speaking of telenovelas. When I see you in person with Pablo around me, we'll start singing the song for you because. Oh, my gosh. Would you please still remember it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Did he? Oh, that's so great. Like, I couldn't decide how much of a 
like actual good show that was or not good show, but like popular show, just because I was not familiar with the programming of um, Univision. That's funny. Netflix, I know, has um, it's the same actress, but they have one. Uh, I think it's Mariela del Barrio and they are putting it on Netflix. So I'm sure Rosalinda will come back. On Netflix oh my gosh, I could hope. Well, I just introduced my girls to the original Star Wars trilogy. And um, I think that that would be our next step after Neverending Story is Rosalinda. So that's great news for everybody involved that's in my house. Good that's good. I, I can't even watch Neverending Story. I feel like it traumatized me as a kid that I'm like, I don't want to watch it. It's going to bring up so much stuff for me. <laughs> well, my brother and I were talking on the phone the other day because I I had asked him, like, do you he and I are only 17 months apart. So I knew that he would remember some things about Star Wars. And um, I was like, you know, do you remember how old we were? Because I thought it was around Nora Beth's age, which would have put me about Anna Blair's age. Um, so we were talking about The Empire Strikes Back being scarier than we had remembered, which it was. Um, but Anna Blair is obsessed with The Empire Strikes Back, not Return of the Jedi, which is like really hopeful and the Ewok are there. She loves watching Luke's <laughs> hand get cut off. So I really don't know what that spo spoiler alert from 1970s Luke's hand That's cut off. But she's into it. But he was like, I just watched Neverending Story again. And that is a much darker movie than I'd than he had remembered. He was like, in my mind, it was like fanciful and whimsical. But there's a lot of real darkness in there. But it he also so suggested it be their next movie. No, I mean... Like, remember, or I was terrified of quicksand. For some reason, yeah. I thought, like, oh, yeah. I'm going to be, you know, just like taken in by Earth and just like just yes. disappear. And I'm like, I don't even like, I don't know. I was terrified. And this movie is why. I don't know what was happening in the 90s cinematography, but like quicksand was something that terrified every child because it's in The Princess Bride. Quicksand nearly mm -hmm. takes him. Yeah, it's in that yeah. movie. It's like a... It, I have not seen any recent movies that talk about quicksand. So I don't know if that was new on the scene in the 90s, but it was like every cartoon also had it. Yeah. Yeah. It traumatized us. Truly. It's a generational thing. <laughs> I know. I'll like, I, I'm going to try to scar my kids about quicksand, but I don't think that they'll be, I don't, that's I don't think they'll be phased. That's funny. I've never seen they're, Star Wars. They're a lot cooler so than I am. Um, you what? I've never seen Star Wars, so I think your kids are cooler than me, officially. Yeah, well, you know, it's not hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, oh, listen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to cough like a smoker. Um, I dropped off for you last night some peach pie that I made yeah. for the 4th of July. You don't have to tell me if you like it or not. But I did like it. I have been using for every pie that I've made in the last, I don't know, six months, the crumble from your banana bread, which you shared your banana bread recipe on our website. And there's this crumble on it that is so good. And now I use it for my pie topper for everything. And it is magic. So yes. I'm just saying, I don't know how you figured out that, that crumble, but I use pecans instead of walnuts because I just yeah. love pecans. Um, and I just wanted to remind people that they can find that recipe on our website. But do you use it for pies or have you, have you only used it for banana bread? Yes, that's basically the recipe that I use for any kind of topping. Like I'll, I'll do it with and I'll switch it up. Like I'll do it with dark brown sugar or I'll do 
um, with oats. I love doing that with oats and I'll do like a strawberry oh, yeah. pie and then I'll just add oats to the topping instead of nuts. And um, that's yep, basically yep. what we do for for any and all like shortbread crumble. Like it's equal parts, all of the things. And that's what we do. Yeah, I use it a lot. And I did love the pie. It reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of the one that we make. So I loved it. I enjoyed it with um, some ice cream last night with Pablo. Oh, we were watching Modern Family. Oh, that's good. Perfect. Well, I used peaches and nectarines and then that yeah. crumble. And I used to do like um, an apple streusel pie with some topping that I found a while ago that was really good. But that one, when I was making your banana bread a lot during quarantine, as was the whole world, um, <laughs> I would just eat the crumble right off. Like, I would yeah. be like, oh, the bread is great, too. But all I want is the crumble. Um and I almost, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I almost subbed in oats because I thought they would be really good. And then I was like, nope, I'm not going to mess with the gold standard. So yeah, no, do it. We actually did it this morning for a cake. With, it has like mixed berries in the cake and it has some of that crumble. It's so good. Well, I'll link the recipe that I used for the filling. Um, I'll post it somewhere. <laughs> LOL. Hannah will post it. She's still doing our episode notes. So whatever. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll make her link a ton of stuff. Um I, the filling was from Sally's Baking Addiction. The bottom crust okay. was store-bought because whatever. And then the crumble was yours. So I Frankensteined it all together and I'm glad that you liked nice. it. Again, no pressure since you're on nice. my podcast to tell me that you like no, it. But no, um, is there anything else that, <laughs> is there anything else that you are loving or consuming right now that you want to mention before we take a quick break? Mm, no, I should have prepped something, but nope. My life is work, children, trying to read books. Oh, and exercise, Peloton. Yes, but you talk oh, about that. yes, Peloton. We do talk about that in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable with how much we talk about it because it's obnoxious, but... I've kind of uh, discovered a new kind of... It's, okay, so I follow this girl. She does Peloton and she was posting that she started doing more of the like... um strength strength like strength training and um uh-huh. she was posting about this group that's on facebook they put out calendars so you don't even have to think about what oh, is it hardcore yes i love Hard- it and, hardcore on the floor. It. and i can see baby ass. i'm in a peloton moms group that's like a spinoff of one of our local mom groups and they always link it but well, I mean, first of all, right now I'm 18 weeks pregnant, so I don't really want to follow anybody's plan. Secondly, yeah. I am worried about the accountability. Like I worry that I'll feel too pressured to do their plan. And then like just the rebel in me will be like, I don't like this and then fall off of it. But if it's good and you're recommending it, maybe I'll do, I'll look into it. I mean, there's, I feel like there's no accountability, accountability. Oh gosh, I can't say the word accountability because you got people, it. You got it. Like people, they're not like telling you, hey, Caroline, did you finish? Did you finish? Or something there. It's just like, here's the plan. Ask all the questions. And then people just talk about the workout. So one of the workouts, one of the trainers said that she used dry shampoo instead of deodorant. And people just added like a gif or something. And then they were just chatting of how do you mix up or deodorant and dry shampoo and People were just like chatting about that and they make fun of the trainer sometimes or they'll like poke fun or, but it's not like, I don't know, like uncomfortable, like do it, do it, do it. It's mostly people just making jokes or posting pictures like this is me a month ago. This is me today, which I find inspiring. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. Okay. I will check that out. Have you done a ride that you've really loved lately? I did the Daddy Yankee ride Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. Okay. One day this and weekend. It was great. And I loved it so much. I love the Hispanic, like the Latin like oh, ride. Good. Yes, so much. Have you done one of Cody's Latin rides? I have, but I I love Cody so much, but now all of his classes I feel like I'm I'm not motivated to like put in all my effort. Like if I take an okay. Alex ride or Kendall, I don't know. I feel like or Olivia, oh, I feel like I'm Kendall sweating. Is the greatest. Yes, I feel like I'm like drenched. Okay, well let me tell you about Olivia. I have again, I I am pregnant and in my mind I can ride exactly like I did not pregnant, which has proven to not quite be the case. But I um love climb rides and I've talked about them a lot. Again, if you're not if Peloton's not your jam, I'm really sorry. This is a detour to Peloton. But I was doing like tons of 10 minute climb rides and that was like killer for me and 15 minute climb rides. I just love climbs. So I've had um Olivia's 15 minute and 20 minute climbs bookmarked for a long time because in the beginning of the first trimester, I was like, there's no way I'm doing those, but I'm feeling better now. So I was like, I'm going to crush this. Okay. So I started whatever 15 minute climbs last week and Mm -hmm. I got like six minutes in and I was like, I will never, I will never do this ride. I cannot do this ride. I mean, she was like, maintain 85 cadence at 70 resistance standing. And I was like, I refuse. I I will go into labor right now before I do that. So I exited out of her class. And then my workout for the day was a 10 minute cool down with Cody. I was like, I didn't even delete it from my class number because I'm 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 almost at 200. And I was like, you know what? I'm counting both of those classes. Thank you. And thank you. That is funny. So that's how that went for me, which was not well. Yeah, she's crazy. She, I, I won't take any of her classes, but I used to say that about Alex and I love him now. So I don't know. Maybe I'll get there. Uh, I do love, I do love Alex. You should. Alex is great. I went through and unbookmarked all of Olivia's classes that I had bookmarked last night because I just didn't need them taunting me. But I recently did. I love Kindle, forever love Kindle, except. If, if my friend Amy is listening to this, she knows that her first introduction to Kendall was her like Valentine's breakup ride. And I will say if Kendall is teaching a theme class, she is real cheesy with her themes. Yeah. Like she talks a lot, which is not yeah. usually my, my yes. thing. Um, yes. That class in particular, <laughs> that was a rough one. But I recently did her 30 Minutes 2000s ride from June 13th um, with Mallory, who was on a few weeks ago. And it was so good. It has Robin. It has Brittany. It has Christina. It is Willa Ford. I mean, it's got... (laughs) It was a killer ride. It's one of the best. So Kendall forever. Yes. Except a theme class with Kendall. And she has a Gwen Stefani ride, but it's 45 minutes. And I'm like, 45 minutes, that's a lot of time. And I'm only getting credit for one ride. So (laughs) I have to be super committed to a 45 minute ride. (laughs) I have heard that it's really good and it's doable because there are like some arm sections and there are a couple breaks. So I won't be doing it, but you let me know if you do it. I'm almost at 150, so I'm trying to, I don't know. I don't even know. Yes, that's awesome. (laughs) 
Okay, we had a little technical issue. I don't know if in editing you'll hear it or not, but I think that was God telling us to stop talking about Peloton. So (laughs) we're going to wrap up this segment. But when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about what Chris has been up to um, since she was last on the podcast, which unfortunately has not been like all great. But in talking about that, we're going to talk about what it's like to be living with grief and looking towards hope and kind of the mess of life that that is. So we will be right back. Okay, we are back. And a lot of you guys um, have followed Chris, whether you're local or not. I know because you've reached out to me about it um, on her The Batchmaker account and know all about her wildly successful bakery. But you may also know that (laughs) on top of quarantine and reeling from everyone in food industry trying to figure out how to keep their businesses afloat, um, maybe afloat is the wrong term because... Chris's bakery was destroyed by a flood. Um, And Chris, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that in as little or much detail as you would like to, but just what that experience was like for you. Yes, absolutely. Yes, a float. That's funny because I would always say when I was tired, like I'm drowning. And then quite literally, I was like, yeah, this is very literal. Like this is Mm -hmm. pretty messed up. Um, So absolutely. We opened... And we're open about almost five months. We were getting at that five month mark when COVID hit. And then we had to close for about two months, which if you're a small business owner or if you, you know, have somebody in the, in the family or like a close friend, you already know that small business ownership is kind of tough. That first year is, is brutal. So getting, you know, COVID, um, in the world and just nobody knows what's up and everything kind of shift your, how you function and everything and trying to get ingredients. Like it was all very, very, very tricky, but thankfully we have a lot of support and people, you know, wanted to buy boxes and everything. So it just kind of started to work again and we were getting into a rhythm and, and we were like, okay, we've hit our year and we've been open for a year and we've survived and so much has happened um, and because we are speaking a little bit about grief, I should also also mention that not only in the business side of things, but also personally, we were just going through so much. Like we mm-hmm. lost our puppy that we've had since we got married um, to like unexpectedly one night he got sick and then we were putting him down the next morning. And I took my daughter to get her well check and the second we walk in, the doctor's like looking at Jack, like what's going on with him? Did he fall? Did he have a fever? Mm. And starts to like berate me with these questions and come to find out he has alopecia, which she should have like reacted differently. She yeah, there's a better way to yeah, bring that up. Mm-hmm. Well, because alopecia is an autoimmune disorder. It's not, you know what I mean? Like I was just yeah. there to cry and shake and I'm like, is he okay? Like, what are you saying? So we just had to see a lot of specialists and have to kind of deal with that and that. But any kind of diagnosis like that is so blindsiding. It's not like, oh, here's even I think if you're prepared for it, there's nothing that truly prepares you for a diagnosis like that. Exactly. So that and then I totaled my car. I hit a deer and totaled my car. And then I had a third degree burn that um, kind of messed up my 
my leg and just a lot of small things that were like taking us down constantly. And then COVID and then um, one year exhaustion and then boom, Mm -hmm. you know, we get hit by the flood, which is kind of ironic too, because we were... um, we were looking at the news for, obviously I have a lot of friends and family in Honduras and we were just seeing all these videos and everything of the hurricane hitting Honduras and like the malls, like everywhere is just flooded completely. The buses are turned over, like so much water. And I was like, guys, if we donate, if you donate, I will match that donation. I remember like you and Hannah and I were all texting about that, like while it was happening, the hurricane, because we were like, is your family okay? Is anybody in danger? I mean, that was like days before seemingly the flood hit. So it was that that Tuesday that we sent over the donations and I matched them literally that Tuesday evening and the hurricane went down and then it came right back up and that's Mm -hmm. it hit North Carolina and that's the floods. Those are the rains of that, like the aftermath of that hurricane that hit us and took the bakery. So it got angry and came back for me. (laughs) Right. It's like, I see you doing something good. So absolutely not. I refuse. And I just kind of lost, like I lost almost like the energy, I don't even know, like mm-hmm. the will, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was just yeah. so, I look back and I can't remember, even if you tell me like we were talking about, I don't remember yeah. a lot of the conversations I had that time. I don't even remember through some of January, like I don't remember Christmas very much. I was just like in a very weird, hazy, just season. I don't remember a lot of the conversations. I don't remember what I did. I was just very, very, very down and just, I didn't think I was going to be able to get back up on my feet. Like I remember walking into the bakery thinking, I can't recover from this. There's absolutely no way. And it's, it was just, it almost broke me. Well, tell me about this because I feel like I felt it for you on both sides of the coin um, as your friend watching you and as a fan of the bakery and, and just kind of all of it. Like, so when that happened, you were texting us like as it was happening, like I, your voice memo, it was so hard to listen to because it was like, what is actually ha- like, is this real? Is this actually happening? Cause you sent us that voice note, like from the bakery saying yeah. it's up to my thighs, you know, and we were, I was looking everywhere on Twitter and the news, like for what was happening, because where we were in town, it was like barely raining. And yeah. so it felt so surreal that that was happening to you across town at the exact same time. Like it was a weird thing to coexist in. Yeah. But the community support that turned out to help you was, I would assume overwhelming, which I think would have um, as an empath like you are, an upside and downside of this is so redeeming of the power of people. But at the same time, did you feel a lot of pressure to grapple with your emotions in a different way because of how much support you received? Like, does that question make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of what I was feeling then is is kind of it's what you were saying, like coexisting with the grief and also the, um, the feelings of like being super thankful and being super humbled and, and happy because of the support that we, that we had. So it was, it was, I don't think that my mind and my heart and my body 
out of sheer like exhaustion and I think a little bit of trauma, I couldn't like process all of this. Like some mm-hmm. people were saying, looking at the bakery and like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry you lost your bakery, but also be so thankful that you're alive. Right, right. And also be thankful that, you know, you got a lot of people helping you out. So it was like, you can be sad, but also all these other mm-hmm. things. So yeah. I started to channel that and and thinking like, I feel guilty, like, please no more help. Like, I just, I felt yeah. I didn't know how to process it all. Well, did you feel an obligation too of like there, I have to be able to pay these people back. And if what they're expecting is another bakery and I don't know if I have it in me, exactly. like, how do you figure out how to, who are you doing that for when you did rebuild? And I'm probably getting ahead of it, but like, there's so much of that, like, I felt this way. And again, it's a very different scenario. But when we had a miscarriage in February, I felt very much like, oh, I'm so grateful that I could get pregnant. I'm thankful for the days that I did have that were pregnant. I'm thankful for my three kids. But I also can't stop and just like feel the impact of what that loss was because some people have had it so much worse. And it's so weird to be like, do I have the energy to want this again? Do I want it again? Or am I trying to tell myself I don't so I don't get hurt later? Like there's just, it's so complex. It is. I mean, I, I wasn't thinking that I was going to open again when Mm -hmm. the people, when people showed up and everything, a lot of people did say like, whatever you decide, you know, like we've got your back. And I will say a lot of people, there were only a few, but of course we remember the few that are yeah. you know, the the outliers. But a lot of people were like, whatever you decide, just know that we love you. And a lot of people would say like, I don't think you're done, but mm-hmm. if you think you're done, then we respect your decision. Right. And just because even the people that were close to me, they were like, this year kind of rocked your world. And mm-hmm. I don't, it almost broke you, you know, like understandably. So if you want to say no, then that's perfectly fine. That's how I felt for you of like, I've heard the exhaustion for you and I never want like for any of my friends for the, I think oftentimes we underscore how heavy it is to do something great, you know? And so I think there are times that something is so burdensome that it's hard to even celebrate the wins because even though it's a good heavy it's still really heavy. And I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. where you're like, is this the best thing for you? Even though it's really good, I want what's best for you. And what yeah. does that look like? Exactly. So I think a lot of therapy, even with the coexisting with the sadness and also the celebrating of friendship and community and, and kind of living in a world where both I am devastated, but also so happy that I live in a city where I've been adopted. Like, I'm not from Charlotte. I'm not even from this country. Mm -hmm. People have embraced me open arms and I've created what I wanted, which is that feeling of being home, like that feeling of walking through the doors and knowing me, knowing each other by name and knowing what my kids like and that your kid is getting a test done and this and that. And that kind of feeling of family through friendship. I could see that so much, but also I was breaking. So lots of therapy. My therapist just kind of equipped me with tools that I kept using those months as I decided, am I going to rebuild? Am I not going to rebuild? And also sticking to what I wanted, because at the end of the day, nobody else 
was going to be there when I start, you know what I mean? Like nobody's there at 3am. Nobody's there at 2am. Like it had to be something mm-hmm. that came naturally that I wanted and then right. people would support or not, you know? How do you cut through the white noise of your own emotions to figure out like what you're actually discerning? Honestly, because I have a really have a hard time with that. Honestly, just kind of my therapist blew my mind. She said one time, she's like, we were talking about a specific example and she said okay let's sit with it let's sit with that how does that feel tell me everything all the noise and I start to talk and she's like talk to it like and it's gonna sound silly and almost like very childish but talk to it so Mm -hmm. the white noise is saying people are putting this pressure on me okay so talk to it what kind of pressure what happens what happens if I give into it what happens if I don't give into it and kind of like seeing both sides of it and kind of talking to it um, almost like a person think of it like a person that's visiting you like what do you want what happens if you stay what happens if I let you out of my house you know kind of mm-hmm. like that and um, just being able to sit with everything that I'm feeling and kind of looking at it both ways like going through the scenario has helped me and I know that I can't do that like for every single thing that I have but the big things like should I open again um, all of those I've been able to tackle by just going down both, you know, scenarios and it's really helped. So how then as you step into the next step, because, you know, we, so with my miscarriage, it's the closest thing that I can kind of compare because I know when the bakery flooded, you compared it to the loss of a child, like that, that grief for you. And so we got pregnant again really quickly after the loss, which was surprising because it took us a long time to get pregnant. And then we got pregnant immediately. And I had a really hard time, even now, almost halfway through this pregnancy, not the grief of the loss, not transforming into a paralyzing fear. So like the first, I don't know, 18 weeks, it's some, some shorter time than that. I was terrified at every point and almost convinced myself this was also not going to work and that every ultrasound, there would be nothing there. Like it was like I was trying to justify everything. Um, And the panic was something that I hadn't dealt with even after my first miscarriage into this, uh, into the pregnancy then. But how then does your grief become, is it motivation? Is it fear? What does it become to you as you open batch house too, or even start making the decisions of where it's going to be, where your location is and what it will look like. Is it still there? Have you packaged it away? What do you do with it? I mean, to be super honest, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, it was so emotional because I did it by myself. Like I opened the bakery by myself. I didn't, I don't have any family here to Mm -hmm. watch my kids and help out and, you know, stamp boxes. So I felt like so much of the sacrifice was done by me that I lost so much time with my own kids. Yeah. When I lost it all in, in, in my eye, like it took literally like 40 minutes for the entire bakery to flood. And in a, in a matter of two hours, I lost everything that I worked for a year. Yeah. 
that feeling of like, I lost it, like everything, the times that I didn't snuggle with Jack in the morning, the he's my last baby. So all the, you know, baby snuggles and baby words and, mm-hmm. and like my time with Joe and having them see me super exhausted and super tired. I don't know. I feel like I hit rock bottom that now the second time around, I'm like, I almost broke. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that again. Like, right. that's just something that I need to actively every day fight for being there again. Mm-hmm. And in my, you know, in my um, example or in my life, I can, I can kind of manipulate that. So I can say, I'm not going to work as hard. I'm not going to make my work my life because mm-hmm. I think that's where I did it wrong. The first time around, I was so gutted because it was everything for me. Like I just <laughs> shifted and that was it. You know, the very first time you came on the podcast and it was the first time, well, I'd met you to pick up a cake um, in your driveway of your old house, but it was our first time like hanging out the three of us on uh, together. One of the things that you said, because the the batch house hadn't opened yet, but you said, you know, even if it doesn't make it, I'll be able to tell my kids, look what I created. And that was so profound to me, the way that you stated that and it stuck with me. But then I think the way you lost it the first time was obviously not the way anybody intended. So it's like, it was different to even hold on to because it wasn't a lack of success that did it. In some ways it was too much success was breaking you personally. And then a completely third party natural disaster destroyed it. And so it's like, could you even look at it if you considered not reopening to say, Oh, at least I did it. Or did you feel like I need, I need some redemption for, for this. I think the, that's the main motivation for me to mo- move forward is the fact that I wasn't done. It was taken from me. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I want to, and it's the stubbornness in me. Like I want to say when I'm done with something, like I, I want to be done and I feel like I wasn't done. Like, yeah, you know, I wanted a little bit more time. I wanted I wanted to have like a well-oiled machine where my kids can come and enjoy, you know, I hadn't gotten anywhere. Like I hadn't gotten to a place where I could take a weekend off Mm -hmm. I was working so hard and, you know, all these things. But I think to answer your first question, I think it just motivates me to put better, to have better tools, equip myself with better tools mentally, you know, out of self-care and all these things. And it's also motivated me to, hey, keep going, like start again. And then it's okay to, you know, end whenever you are ready. And then yeah, on your terms, I feel like, makes the, yeah, that makes the biggest difference because you can't be empowered when something happens to you that's completely yeah. out of your control, but there is something empowering to be like, okay, well, I'm choosing this. So even if you had chosen, I'm not going to reopen. Yeah. It's not really an empowering decision because it, every factor around it was not, what you would have wanted. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited that I get to do it all over again. And I struggle with feeling, you know, sadness and happiness, like a combination of both, um, all the time because I'm tired, but I'm also, so Pablo, and, and he's very innocent in the sense of, even a friend, I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. Like I haven't slept in a week. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, but 
it's amazing that your business is thriving. And I'm like, but doesn't that like minimize for you, like the fatigue? Cause you're like, but also though, I'm really, really tired. Oh, no, I know. So it's, it's, it's learning to either like have, you know, words to explain my heart of it that it's okay to have space of being tired. It's okay to have a space where, you know, like I complain a little bit about my job, even if I've been fighting so hard for it. Does that make sense? Like, oh, of course. Well, you know, like any one of us who works for somebody else has all the space in the world to complain about our job. But it does seem like because you are saying that you're living out your dream, like therefore you are not allowed to also have complaints. <laughs> and it's like, well, that seems backwards. Yeah. And to make it worse, because I've been fighting basically the flood and then to get it back on its feet, people are like, but why are you like, they don't say that directly, but I can just feel the pressure of it's like, the undercurrent. why yeah. are you complaining? Like literally. <laughs> I don't so, know. I just think that perhaps we should take out of any vernacular of like, if somebody is saying that they are tired or feeling a certain way, it is like, I know the heart is to remind us that it's good, but it's also like, we don't not know that it's good. Like, but we're still also very, it's, it delegitimizes any experience. And for me, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just never going to talk again. Yes. And that's how I feel. So I've also just pick, you know, the people that pour into you. And I think that's a good, you know, thing to have for everybody, whether they're going through grief or not, just be careful of who you, you know, speak to and let, speak into you. And I think the people that really know you, they're not going to be like, oh, you're tired. But you know what? People around <laughs> the world haven't they don't have heads or something like that. Yeah, it is it is like that old, like, but there are starving children in China. Yes. And it's like, well, but that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but you know what I mean? Like, that's fine. That's not less. my life. Um, okay. So as you are building Batch House 2, um, how much do you think about what happened the first time? Like, are you able to separate the two or do you think about it a lot as you're making choices in your new space? Uh, I think logistically, like the physical aspect of it, I think now my therapist used to tell me in the beginning when I, I couldn't even like talk that much. Like it was hard for me to give out sentences of what I was feeling. She was like, there's going to be a time where all of this, you're going to be able to step back and see the whole picture like painted of whatever the season is or whatever you want to call it, like this whole part of your life. And I think right now I'm in that very spot where I'm able to like step back a little bit and see it all come together, like the painful, the happiness, all of it, because now that I'm building, I'm like, I was going to outgrow the other space or I had already outgrown mm -hmm. the other space so fast that going into this space, I'm like, look at this giant kitchen, like so right. much storage, all these things. And I think we had to go through all of that, but we're, we're going to be in a much better place when we open. So it's kind of like, I'm happy that we are where we are now. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So like, well, hang on. Sorry, I'm stumbling. But for people who are local, do you want to, to give a date when you think that you'll open or would you rather not say when you are no, thinking no. you'll open? It's fine. I, I haven't said it on Instagram just because, you know, if you don't, I don't know. I feel like there's people so will hold you to it on Instagram. Yeah. People are savage, especially on your account, man. <laughs> they're, they're not 
unkind most of the time. But like I look at your comments and I'm like, oh, my gosh, people like I I get it. Desserts are great, but let's chill a bit. So they keep telling me August 20th is when they'll give it to me, like when they'll hand over the turnkey. But I my daughter starts kindergarten for the first like she's obviously I'm not from the States. I don't know Mm -hmm. how schools here work. It's a different world up here. Like in Honduras, it's completely different. So I'm getting used to something new. My husband's getting used to something new. My daughter is obviously getting used to something new. So it starts on the 25th. So I'm not going to add any extra pressure Mm -hmm. to our plate. So I'm putting it off to either the first or the second week of September. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me as people, because everyone's going to want to get back in the swing of things. We start the 23rd. um, Yeah. And yeah, Yeah. it's just, it's just a crazy week for people. And then you run into Memorial Day and all that. Um, I'm very excited for you. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a pink bakery. So that's so fun. Yeah. I bought a little kitchen for the kids to play and I just, I'm so grateful because even with the architects, they're like, you can pick the tile. And I'm like, whatever you guys decide. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 you're the actual client. Like you can pick. <laughs> it feels kind of surreal. So I'm really grateful to be here. That's great. I'm yeah. it's your story is amazing. You're amazing. Um, your recommendations are pretty good when I decide to do those. Lovely. But <laughs> <laughs> um, in the meantime, people can get batch boxes from you sometimes, right? Yep. You run those special and then have treats available at batch box pickup. Yep. I don't want to hold you to that, but typically, yep. yeah, yep. um, we got a 4th of July batch box and I demolished that oatmeal cream pie. It's my, it's, it's my gold standard, man. Best. Yeah. I made oatmeal cream pie ice cream sandwiches over the weekend and Holy they were good. Man, well, I was like double fisting. I I brought your box to the cookout with my mom mm-hmm. um, that the girls and I went to because David had to work. And then um, I made a pie because I felt like I couldn't also not provide something. Mm-hmm. Um, and David didn't get to go. And whatever for whatever reason, let's see, when was the fourth? Sunday. Sunday yeah. Monday, he did not pay attention to the half pie sitting on the counter. And then last night he was like, what is that pie for? And I was like, well, do you remember I took a, a slice over to Chris last night? Um, and he was like, can I eat the rest of this? And he just sat down and ate it. But he then he was like, where's the batch box? And I was like, oh, sorry, that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, it suddenly like it was in his mind, like this is not what I was hoping for. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, is where can people find you if they want to follow you? At the Batchmaker on Instagram and com for the website. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, we have a Facebook, but I don't really get much on there. Yeah. I, everybody has a Facebook, you know? Yeah. I refuse to get Twitter or TikTok. Oh, yeah. I bet that somebody will try to convince you that TikTok's your way to go, but no. please don't do that. No, never. I know my age. I know where I stand. So, no. Listen, I don't want you to start TikToks and I selfishly don't want you to start Reels. And I know that's what people need to do, but I was talking to my friend Heather. Reels are like the Instagram TikToks. No, 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 no. Thank you. My friend Heather, who I know is listening to this, uh, was advised to start doing Reels and I have been very hard on her about it. First, I said I wouldn't follow her if she did reels she's done a few and they're pretty good but i am like just be careful because you're walking a fine line for me now (laughs) somebody that i follow no 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 i can't no no (laughs) you know the thing is the election 
broke a lot of friendships apart. COVID broke a lot of friendships <laughs> apart. We don't need reels and TikTok to do that to us too, but that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm too old. I, I will say the girls at the bakery, they, um, they do send me TikToks and I love watching them, but I just... No, I can't do them. I have such a love hate with TikToks. Hannah sends me a lot at the beginning. Well, here, actually, let's talk about Hannah being a hypocrite for just a second because she's not here to defend herself. At the beginning of quarantine, I downloaded TikTok and sent a bunch to people. And Hannah was like, I will literally never download that app. Well, I stopped sending them to people because I was jealous that these teenagers were so funny. And I don't like that. That feels not fair to me. (laughs) Um, I was going through a real creative low and I was like, how dare you be 14 and hilarious? So I refuse. Um, then Hannah started sending me all these TikToks and like last week was like, you have a TikTok. Why haven't you told me this? I could just be direct messaging these to you. And I was like, you don't remember that I have one. Like you did not discover TikTok. Leave it you, to Hannah. Leave it to Hannah. Thank you. That's going to be the name of the episode. Leave yes. it to Hannah. Leave it to Hannah. She forgets every single thing. I've literally said, Hannah, we've already had this conversation. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what happens. See, Chris, this is what happens when you take our group chat to an individual chat. You don't have anyone to back you up. That's on you. <laughs> I feel zero sympathy for you. But now I've created this thing because I was telling Passan, I was like, now every time that I want to make Hannah feel bad, I'll say, Hannah. We've already had this conversation. <laughs> Whether you have or not. We haven't. So, <laughs> yeah, she can never pull you. That's actually David has, David and Hannah are really the same person, and Passan and I are very similar. Yes. Oh, yes. So, I typically, like, if I'm complaining about David, like, there are times that Hannah's like, actually, you're, you're wrong because I yeah. would do it that exact same way. But anyway, um, David also forgets everything. So, I'm like, here's what I just need to pull out in any argument because he is not confident enough. To argue his memory. So I'm like, I don't know, Trump card, I guess we just I talked about know, that. I know, exactly. Pablo's the same. I'm like, I already told you this. And he's like, oh, okay. I keep <laughs> feeling bad. Uh, yeah, there are times that I'm like, oh, I didn't tell him I had a meeting. And I'm like, I told you yesterday. And he's like, yep. oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, okay. idiots, pop some ginkgo biloba and then <laughs> you'll be you'll be on our level. So <laughs> That's funny. Boy, well, thanks for coming on the pod today um, and working through our internet issues at uh, our first segment. Um, and thank you. You also surprised me one day with just pregnancy treats. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. That's not why I'm friends with you. But boy, it was a <laughs> lovely surprise. <laughs> I'm going to continue to wiggle my way into your heart. <laughs> when you finally say like oh I bought this because Chris said I read this because Chris said I'm making <laughs> then I know I I'm, hey I read Hevelyn Hugo because you said you said that you wouldn't thing. be friends with me if I didn't read it actually you bullied me because I spent real dollars on Mallory's recommendation and then the I funny feel, thing I feel that, that book that Mallory um, recommended I added it to my list and I'm like <laughs> I refuse to tell Caroline that I'm reading it but now you <laughs> well, now I know. Have you read it yet? I haven't. It's, it's, I mean, it's, I'm like number 73 and there's only like oh. two copies. Yeah. I've recommended it to my grandmother. She goes to the real library and checks out real yeah, books too. Yeah, and too. she's found some good ones. I did recommend Evelyn Hugo to her before I'd gotten into all of it. And I'm not sure she would be comfortable with it. So I might have to retract the, yes, the recommendation. She's, she's 85 and lives in East Tennessee. And that's kind of all I need to say about it, but yeah. we'll see. Um, <laughs> But I will say Hannah downloaded the sanatorium. She's sitting on one of the copies that you're waiting on. Come on. Um, she 
is listening to it maybe oh you wouldn't listen to it but she's yeah, listening yeah. to it and she said it's boring so oh screw well. her again i'm gonna so. side with hannah out of sheer you know <laughs> because you just um, burned her earlier sure <laughs> all right well um thank you so much and we will talk soon via a text probably in just a minute but thank you i love you you're fantastic and um thanks love, for coming on love you bye bye, bye.